Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Born to Talk radio show. I'm your host, Marsha Witeka. Conversations plus connections equals community. Those are my three C's. The heart of my show is what's your story? It's my belief we all have stories. Some are similar, others are uniquely different. Storytelling brings the passions of my guests to life through our conversations. So be prepared to be entertained, informed, and inspired. Welcome to today's show. Well, hello, everybody. Do you remember when Zoom was just something that you did with a camera? Yep. (laughs) (laughs) You know, wasn't life sort of different then? So we're going to get a little feedback I can recognize, and I'm going to just try and ignore that as best as possible. But this is a very exciting opportunity for all of us because you, but I should just introduce to who, who I'm speaking to right now. So joining me on my show today is Mark Pilon. He is the Executive Director of Susan G. Coleman, LA County, and Sharon Schlesinger. She's the Metastatic Breast Cancer Committee Founder and Chair for Susan G. Coleman, LA County. Welcome back to the show, you guys. Thank oh, you. Thank you, Marcia. Pleasure. Well, it's, it's, it's exciting times. And it started first thing this morning with you, Sharon, because you and I were on a Zoom call. Thanks to our buddy, Darren Williams, that set this up for us. And I was your guest, which doesn't happen all that often for you to, for me to be able to share my breast cancer story, because I have one as well, as do most people. But today we're going to just be focusing on what you guys do. And I think that, um, I think that it's just important that our guests know a little bit about you guys. So if you wouldn't mind just telling us just, maybe let me just do this. I think that um, that it's important for, for everybody to know that, that, um, that Sharon is conducting a wonderful LA to New York metastatic breast cancer conference. And we're going to be live on that. And I just wanted to thank you once again for that opportunity. But let's get started with this part of our show. And so Sharon, I thought maybe you could just take a few moments to tell our guests and our listeners a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I feel a little bit like Bob Newhart. I've got this phone up to my ear. (laughs) I don't think I'm gonna be funny like he is, but um, I'm a career volunteer for Susan G. Komen. I, I believe in the work that Susan G. Komen has done for years and years and years and all of the um, pioneering they did in in creating awareness about breast cancer and and the money that they've raised for research and and for helping individual patients. A long time ago, I realized that I didn't know anything about metastatic breast cancer, which is the cancer, the breast cancer that people die from, 42,000 of them a year. And I put together a committee of metastatic patients and oncologists and uh, patient advocates. And we planned a uh, conference um, that uh, was the first that was in the nation in terms of um, being part of the affiliate network. And uh, other than LBBC, nobody was really 
reaching out to the metastatic community in any large way. And so eight years we've been, we've been putting these conferences on and uh, I've, uh, I've been a part of it and I am, have really learned a lot about metastatic issues. And I hope that this conference is gonna be the culmination because it's a whole month worth of programming. And I think that's wonderful. Um, I'm, a, I'm a mom, a grandmom, a wife, um, and, but I'm a career volunteer for Coleman. And, um, you know, call me anytime and I'll tell you why it's important. So that's kind of me. I, I, uh, Marcia, I don't have another identity anymore. <laughs> you know, it's so interesting about the term metastatic, because frankly, I remember when Mark was on my show the last time, I stumbled over those, that word because back in 1989, when my mother had metastasized, it was, we called it, she had metastasized breast cancer. That was the term they used. It metastasized from her breast to her liver. And ultimately she, she did pass away in, in, in 1989 of metastatic breast cancer. Mm -hmm. And so I am familiar from a personal position and that's why this frankly is so important to me and why I contribute. Mark, you are a funny guy. I'm just saying that to start with. So I don't know if you how you got that's how you got this job, but you are an entertainer, my friend, besides being a very critical part of Susan G. Coleman in LA County. So tell us a little, you don't have to do a joke. Just tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, if I'm just honest about my history, that's a joke in itself. Uh, no, I, uh, I, I, I've been with Coleman for almost nine years now and um, came, came to the organization as an interim uh, executive director. And it was during the time that there was a kind of a media crisis going on. And um, we got past that. And uh, let's see, then Sharon came up to me after about my first my first year and said, uh, I need to do a conference. And I said, um, but the metastatic patient is only about 2% of our, our patient base. I can't I can't put a lot of money into that. And she said, well, you're wrong. And I said, okay. And I didn't say prove it to me because she had her numbers ready. So it started at, at a pretty, as a pretty humble beginning. And then it expanded from there. And now, and now we have this phenomenal conference that, that uh, now this year is reaching thousands of women and symptomatic men. And it's a, it's a wonderful thing. I would agree. And I, I'm glad you mentioned men because we're going to talk a little bit of that as well. So I know that um, it was a very important TV show that I watched this past Saturday because um, there was a program on our local news called the, it's called Pink Ribbons Caring. And it was on our KCAL news station. And there was a goal to raise a great deal of money. And you were the man on top and along with Pat Harvey. And it's, it's, it's absolutely the benefit tap and the Coleman Treatment Assistance Program, which is so important. So Mark, I thought we could just start off by kind of recapping just how this Saturday went. Was this the first time that Coleman LA has, uh, County has ever had a TV event? 
It's the first time that any Komen in the United States has had a TV event like this. So it was kind of virgin territory. Um, we were we were brand new at it, and you know, with with COVID and being have uh, being that we have all had to cancel our big in person events, you know, we were looking at what what's an alternative. I mean, we can go viral with something, and then we were thinking about the old Jerry Lewis telethon, which the three of us remember. And uh, so basically, <laughs> that's what we were doing was. <laughs> <clears throat> it was when the big black bow ties were, the really big black bow ties. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, we, we know that the TAP program right now, Marcia, is the most is the most necessary thing to help with because of COVID, because so many people have lost their jobs. So many people have, have wound up being displaced. There's food insecurities. There's insecurities about, about a roof over their head. That what this is able to do for patients it is called the Treatment Assistance Program. That's where the, the, the word TAP comes from. But we're there to help with uh, rent and utilities, transportation to and from treatment, food, child care, elder care. We'll help with durable medical equipment. If you, if you need sleeves for lipedema or something like that, we can help with that. With, with home and palliative care, uh, oral pain medication, the anti-nausea medication that you take for chemo and even oral chemo and, and hormone therapies, which can just be unbelievably expensive. Um, so it's, you know, we're still about breast cancer, uh, breast cancer education. We're still about psychosocial support and, and information, but the, the financial assistance to really help ease someone's burden. And, and I can't make their journey, journey good by any stretch no. of the imagination. But if we can take just a little bit of stress out of their journey and make their journey a little bit better so they're not worrying about something, they have a few more minutes to spend with their kids. Or when they go to the doctors, they're going in a private lift ride. They don't have to take public transportation and be exposed to all those other possibilities that are out there because they've got compromised immune systems. So it's really a, a very necessary thing right now, more than ever, to have the uh, treatment assistance program and have it be successful. You know, Mark, you, you, this is, I'm reflective right now and probably somewhat emotional as I think about this because I think about my own mom and when her cancer first appeared and she had, you know, her that tumor removed, she had her breast removed and then we had assistance about getting a prosthetic, which was really very close here in Westchester, but it was her hair. And the hair kept falling out, and the hair kept falling out. And it's like, what am I going to do? And it's so funny. I was telling Sharon about this earlier. We're talking about the late 80s. She was diagnosed in 86. There was no pink initiative back in those days, but it was the color that made my mom so happy. So I always wore it. But it's, it's hard to watch a loved one go through suffering mm -hmm. like that. And then we thought we had a beat. You know, we just, we, she had the chemo, no, it wasn't pleasant. And then the hair started coming back and she wore a turban because she was cold because there was nothing, no hair. And then when it came back, it was like, whoa, wait a minute. What's wrong with your stomach? And it's like, oh my God. It was, it was, it was scary. It was scary as a daughter. Yeah. It was scary as grandchildren. It was scary as a wife. 
and it was it was it was hard. But I don't want to focus on what's so tough and bad as much as what if my mother didn't have the resources to just get a wig. Oh, what if and, she and didn't have all of that, right, Mark? Right. That's and that's that's the thing that is so challenging when you look at right now when somebody has to sit there and make a decision. You're, you're having women put themselves on the back burner because the rent and the food for the kids is more important than their treatment. And they'll miss a treatment if it's a couple of hundred dollars and it requires that it's going to take away from the family budget to provide those other things. And any mother's going to do that. Any father is going to do that because yeah. we'll take care of our kids before we take care of everything else. And that's what we're here to try to help ease the pain of that, those having to make those decisions and having to go without. And so you don't have to put yourself on the back burner. You, we can help be your support system. Mm -hmm. And having a support system is, is unbelievably important. Unbelievably important that you've got somebody that you can talk to, somebody that you know you can depend on. And that somebody's gonna be there for you to help you make this, this journey just a little bit more tolerable. Mm -hmm. Right. I sure, and I know we're going to get to this conference, but I just want to ask a couple more questions to Mark about the show itself. So, as I said, I watched it. There were some real highlights for me. There were some wonderful musicians. You were hysterical. Um, <laughs> you really were fun. So, um, just tell us a little bit about how the event actually went for those that might have missed it. It was a tremendous show. We had some phenomenal entertainment. Um, there were some unbelievably compelling and heartwarming stories from survivors themselves that talked about what it was like for them, uh, how Cumberland was able to help some of them, how some of them had a great and a really, really good, strong support system and what they didn't have to deal with, but they would meet and talk to other women that didn't have what they have and that did need help and that did need some assistance. So there were some of those stories and they were very, like I said, they were touching and compelling. Um, the entertainment was uh, phenomenal. Pat Harvey and Samantha Harris. Samantha's also a uh, breast cancer survivor. She was on Dancing with the Stars for quite a while and on ET, uh, Entertainment Tonight. But uh, they're consummate pros and just did a fantastic job. And yes, as you were saying, your favorite was, I think, Matt Goss and his Good to Be Strong video. And that was uh, a video. He wrote that song for his mother after she passed. And then we had 14 of our survivors and Sharon was actually in that video. And uh, he did the video with our survivors. And yes, um, he sings beautifully and he's got a face that doesn't quit. So I can understand why he's your favorite. <laughs> it was powerful. Mark, let me ask you, was Terry Brooks in that video too? Yes. Oh no, no not, not in Matt's video, no. No, oh, not, not in, in that one. Video. She was in another one. The you one that uh, Julie uh, Delgado uh -huh. uh, and Polly uh, Roberts have both passed, and, and Leanne passed as well. Yeah. Three of the women that were in that video. Julie Delgado uh, used to sing with um, the Blues Brothers, and uh, she was the one that went into the studio with Matt, and he actually recorded her voice as backup singing on the... Uh, on the tape, so she will live on forever in one more way. You know, I'd, I'd like to I'd like to say something. Please. If I could just 
break in because um, I have an inside story of the making of that video. Uh, I was there and Julie at the time had lung metastasis and she wasn't singing anymore. And she didn't think that she could sing. And Matt took her, uh, put his arm around her and he said, you're going to sing one more time. And they went into a different part of the, the sound booth. We were all in this control room with you know those panels that have all the buttons. But they went into the sound room and they sang together and she sang. And that was probably the last time she ever sang. And he said when they came out that he could feel her bodies and the lungs struggling for air, but she sang and she sang with joy and you can see it on her face. If you haven't seen that video, you have to go watch it just to see the joy in her face that she was singing for one last time. That's a beautiful story and I really appreciate you you adding that in. And I, I believe you felt that the show was successful, right, Mark? You were, you oh, it was very successful. We, we're still tabulating the results because we've got uh, Facebook Live, we've got treat, uh, text to give, we've got the phone uh, bank, we've got uh, another uh, donation page and everything else. So we're trying to get all those numbers today. I told everybody yesterday, just take the day and, and, and recuperate because it was like, ah, you know, you're, you're up on this level for all those hours. And then when, when you're up like that and you're entertaining and, you know, you look like you slept with a coat hanger in your mouth because you're going yeah, like this all day. And, <laughs> and so finally on Sunday, it was just like, oh my God, I needed to compress. So I watched, I, I binged television, watched a program for quite a few hours yesterday. That was great. Well, and ate. It was a program to be very proud of, and I was really delighted that I was able to watch it. Um, let's talk about this conference, Sharon, because this is a big deal. Let me understand. So when was the very first LA County conference, just, just for LA County? I, 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 I knew that you were gonna ask me this question, and I'm trying to remember. It seems like I've been doing it forever, but I think it was uh, 2011. I do know okay. that it was the first metastatic conference that the whole affiliate network of Susan G. Komen put together. And as a result of our mark, uh, he, he, you know, he, he signed on very early on. And as a result of um, his working side by side with me, um, the rest of the affiliate network started to notice and other seminars and conferences developed. And there was this learning curve that affiliates all over the country had to undergo because we, Coleman, had little understanding of the issues surrounding the metastatic community. And we started something that resulted in most of the affiliates in the affiliate network reaching out to the metastatic community. And, and I fully believe that what Mark started here in LA has resulted in a recalibration of the, the um, uh, mission and the focus of Komen headquarters where they're spending so much more money on metastatic research and paying so much more 
attention to the metastatic patient. I, I, I fully believe that between the two of us, we, we really um, managed a sea change for the organization. I think that's great. Now, I know you're not maybe prepared to answer this question because I, I didn't tell you I was going to ask you this ahead of time. But how many affiliates are there? Do you have any idea across the United States how many Susan G. Komen affiliates there are? Well, there were a total of 62, but we have been doing some mergers and consolidations, Marcia. So that number is, okay. is going to be going down. And yet in the meantime, we're able to expand our service area. Wonderful. So like Los Angeles is now going to start taking care of Ventura County, Santa Barbara County, San Luis Obispo County, and, and expand what we're doing. And um, we are becoming a single 501c3 organization. Instead of having 60 different boards and 60 different ways oh, of yeah. doing things, we're going to become one. And I think our proficiencies, most especially um, uh, so many of our backroom services and those kinds of things will be combined and we'll be able to save even more money and be able to turn around and put that money back into the community directly for the breast cancer community. Perfect. So let's talk about this conference, Sharon. I understand you've teamed up with Coleman New York this year and that you're going to be presenting the Los Angeles to New York Metastatic Breast Cancer Conference that started on the 1st and goes all the way to the 31st. It's a full month of programming for the metastatic breast cancer community. Tell us, tell us, this is just huge. Tell us how this is gonna work. <laughs> We're like the duck yeah. on the water. We're like the duck on the water. Most of the time we look pretty, pretty good on the water. We look uh, real comfortable, but I have to tell you, our, we're paddling like furious underneath. <laughs> um, so, I believe it. <laughs> I mean, this is, this is all new. I mean, we're using an event um, management platform that encourages um, interaction with the community and with the um, attendees of the conference. And um, we saw so we had to learn that and we're still learning that. And we had to bring Darren Williams on board because he understands the technicalities of, you know, being able to um, Zoom together and Facebook together and all of these different elements that go into being able to deploy this conference to the world, literally the world. This is a world conference because the internet is everywhere, right? So we expect to have uh, people watching in countries all around the world. And uh, the the difference about this, and I'll just be real fast with this. The difference about oh, the conference, the difference about this conference, is that we're used to holding a single day conference, and we stuff everything we can into that one day, and you know we we try to convey a lot of information and a lot of coping strategies, and you know we feed them breakfast, lunch, and snacks, and you know, it's, it's a regular conference. This conference is totally different because we have the luxury of time. We have time to go deep into a subject. We have time to gather more speakers around a topic. We are able to add 
things like yoga. We had a cooking class today. Um, we're going to have an open mic night tonight. It's like the sky is the limit. And all of a sudden, somebody took the lid off the box and we're flying. Marsha, uh, even as we speak, even though the conference started five days ago, we're adding programming every day. And um, it, it's just, it's growing. It's like, uh, I don't want to say it's out of control, but it's growing at a pace that I, I am um, thrilled about because one thing about this conference and this platform is that it's going to remain accessible for six months after October. And it has live chat enabled the whole time so that people can go back and they'll look at you in our Rise and Shine interview over and over and over again. They'll listen to this podcast over and over and over again as many times as they want to. And they can talk about it amongst themselves. So I'm really th thrilled that we are going to have an impact that goes beyond today and beyond this month. Pretty cool, I huh? Think that's, I think that is so cool. Um, you know, so there's a there's some questions that have just popped up. Sandra Spivey just asked, how can how and I and now that question went away, but I think she asked about how people can can participate. And Sandra, just so you know, um, we'll probably um, I don't have my chat open here, or well, I actually do. So how can participants keep up on the content that's being added? I'm having difficulty trying to figure out how to put this on my calendar. Do you have a, I don't know, maybe you can come back to that and answer that at another time. How would you, that be? You mean like like a link as to how to get there or, or, or what? I mean, you Perhaps, can go away. Yes. Go ahead. I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure. I'm just reading it on chat, but I'll tell you what, maybe it'll, maybe it'll get answered as we, as we move along through our call. Well, well so you know, definitely, definitely, Marcia, you can go to um, Coleman, LA County and right. the Facebook account there and you can you will you know you'll see you'll see the, the different we're live streaming it on Facebook in addition sure. so so it, it is already out there and if you go to Coman LA County um, you can you can even see how to register for the conference. Perfect and I and I hope that answered her question. So um, you, you mentioned that it's a growing process, that now you've added the open mic and things like that. Mm -hmm. you, there are a wealth of people that um, are involved in this. And frankly, one of the things that I thought was very interesting in the show, Mark, was when, and I don't remember the gentleman's name. I, I wish I could tell you I remembered his name, but I don't. But he was the man that said he had like this ingrown hair. And it was like, um, you do, what, what was the story with him? Because so often this people think breast cancer is just something that women have, and clearly that's not the case. What was what was his story? Because I, I I don't want to misspeak it. Yeah, Kenneth was in his early thirties, and what he what he thought was just a, a, a wild hair because guys get that on their you know we get them on our chest and stuff, and especially when you're a little bit younger. By my age, it doesn't happen anymore, but. Um, he went to the doctor about a sinus issue and the doctor says, anything else? And he said, well, I've had this bump over here for a while, 
and he said, I think it's just a wild hair, but it, you know, I, it was one of those things where he couldn't take care of it himself. And so uh, the doctor said, well, let me see. And then he looked at it and he said, you know what? I think we need to look at this a little bit more. And then that's how Kenneth went through and it was stage two by the time he found it or they, by, by the time they did a diagnosis. And, um, and then he had, he had his uh, surgeries and everything else and had all of that uh, taken up because men do have breast tissue. It's from year to year and from year to year. And most men just don't need or think to, to look at that kind of stuff. You know, we, we just don't. And so that's what he was trying to, to make a point that, you know, anybody can, can do this. It's not as common in men, obviously, because so many breast cancers start being ductal. But we can get a, a variety of different kinds of, of breast cancer. Men can carry the BRCA gene. And they can also pass it on to their daughters. So there's all kinds of things that, that you know, can happen with men with breast cancer and breast tissue. It's just be aware of your body. Mm-hmm. Did you want to add something to that, Sharon? Yeah, no, he's, he's absolutely right. Um, you know, it's like the saying, see something, say something. You know, if, if, if you see a change, if you feel differently, you know what you feel like, you know what you, you know, look like. And if something changes, you have to pay attention. And, you know, your doctor should be your best friend. And you, you know, you're, you're never going to be turned away if you have a concern or you shouldn't be. If you turn away, get a different doctor. But I, I think that it's so important that you, that you know what your body is like and how it feels. I agree. I totally agree. So, um, so I know that you're, uh, you talk about some of the entertainment kinds of things that are happening during this whole month. But what, is, what are some of the topics that you're going to be covering during the month? Oh, we, we have some amazing programming. I mean, every, every day, um, uh, the, there's, there's, um, um, a, um, competition where we're going to be announcing the five finalists um, of a competition uh, that uh, Cambia Grove uh, does every year. And, and what they do is they, they put out a, a request for ideas that entrepreneurs have about how to correct or um, deal with a particular problem with the medical world, whether it, it be um, a, a, you know, access to care or um, this year it's about palliative care. And I don't wanna to try to ex explain what that's all about, but these um, contestants, these applicants, they have ideas and they present them to Cambia and the finalist is awarded support from Cambia to be able to bring the service, the product, the idea to the marketplace. And I said, it's this year it's palliative care. Next year, it's going to be diversity and being able to reach out to diverse communities. So the finalists for this campaign will be announced at our conference. We'll have the finalists explain what their ideas are in the area of palliative care. And, you know, they will be announced 
at the conference. We have a lot of situations that I think are newsworthy. In addition, this is a patient-centric conference. It's really for the patient and whatever they want to learn about, whatever they want to know how to do, what kind of activities they might want to be involved in, it's about the patient. See, and I didn't even know about that, and that's fabulous. There you go. <laughs> I, I told you, Mark, I told you, you've been so busy. I told you I've got something I want to tell you about in the when we have time to talk again. But you know, Mark's been going one direction at 100 miles an hour. I've been going in the other direction at 100 miles an hour. And we usually, you know, stay in touch, but we've both been too busy to be in touch. Now, I told Mark, you know, you started this, this whole telethon and fundraiser, and, and I want to finish it at the conference and we have to, Mark, we have to figure out how to bring that effort to the conference and continue on raising money for what I think is the most important fund that, that we have right now because of yeah. the, the community. Well, it's a month long campaign. It's a month long campaign. I mean, we, we kicked it off the other night, but we're gonna be raising money for the TAP fund throughout all of October through Breast Cancer Awareness Month and I know that we're gonna knock it out of the park. And CBS was so wonderful the other night, they went ahead and offered to run this again. We're gonna cut it down to a, a, a one hour show, but they're going to run it again for us at the end of the month. Not only oh that, but here's, that, that is so fabulous. And I just wanna say from a personal point, I have a charitable trust. So I used to just write a check to Susan G. Coleman every year, and then I get my return mail, um, you know, um, things for your for your stamps. So, you know, by your return mail, what am I trying to say? You know what I'm talking about. Your tax letter. I, that's it. But because I have a trust, I needed to get the EIN number. So I called your office on Airport Boulevard right here in Westchester, spoke to a lovely woman whose name I can't remember right now, got the EIN number, and then I was able to add the Susan G. Komen LA County to my charitable giving. So think about this. If everyone that's listening today made a contribution, however you want to do it, imagine how that's gonna move the dial because you have 13,000 people on LA, on LA on the Susan Komen LA County site that follow you. I follow you, my friends follow you. And it's so easy. And you don't have to, you don't have to do more than you can afford. But if everybody did just a little, and I so encourage everybody to do that. And we'll make sure that in the follow-up that we let people know the simple way of doing that. Because if we make it simple, they will do it. Yeah. So and I and it's just that some, I mean, you can just call the phone number and and Samantha. You know, what was what was, what was Lisa? Lisa Campbell. That's it, Lisa Campbell. She was wonderful. So I wanted to ask you a question about the conference, um, Sharon. Is there a cost to participate? Never, we've never, never charged, never. It's all free. Uh, you, even when we had to feed them breakfast, lunch and dinner, it was always free. And, um, I, and it will always be free. Wonderful. So for people that are listening right now, maybe taking notes, not taking notes, 
Um, it's not too late to sign up, is it just because it's been ongoing for five days? No, 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 no. You can sign up all month long. And, you know, you don't have to be metastatic to sign up. There's a lot of information and activities that you can be involved in, even if you're simply um, a supporter or an advocate or a caregiver, or if you have early stage breast cancer, there's all good information that everybody I so agree with you and particularly today, and we haven't started talking about the pandemic, but I feel like we, we probably need to. For so many people and myself included, we, we are living sort of in a state of isolation. And I really, I can't imagine being in that isolated state if you're living alone or not living alone for that matter, but you maybe just don't get to meet your girlfriend for coffee or whatever you did before, you know, to just sort of, oh gosh, just have a break from what you're dealing with on a regular basis. And I think that this has really added to the, some of the stress, but the Zooming, and I realize everybody doesn't know how to do Zoom. I mean, you have to have, you know, a way to do that. But I think that as people start coming into the conference and maybe you are the daughter or son of a, of a mom or father or relative that has metastatic breast cancer, you can be that resource that says, let's watch this together. You, we, can, we can do this together, mom. And, and there's a unity there as well. Let me add one thing that um, I probably haven't mentioned. Yes, if you have a computer, you can access the conference, but if you have one of these, if you have a phone, there's a mobile app and you can follow the conference, you can watch the speakers, you can take yoga lessons. It's all on your phone. And, and um, I haven't really met anybody yet that doesn't have a smartphone. <laughs> there probably are people, excuse me, but you know, it's, 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 They're it's not watching us though. <laughs> no. <laughs> I have a phone that's so, smarter than I am. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. So, Mark, what are some of the other um, activities that are going on during this this Breast Cancer Awareness Month? Well, um, we 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 still have educational opportunities. We still are doing um, having a. There's a lot of things like we used to have a, a program that was an in-person program called Worship in Pink which was a celebration for uh, faith-based uh, individuals to be able to go out and then go back to their congregations and teach their congregations. So instead of doing a live event in August, so everybody could do their events in October, we did three different uh, uh, live stream Zoom calls. And we were still able to reach over 100 of the first ladies and active women in their uh, congregations to go back out. And now they're doing all kinds of things some at their church, some of them are doing Zoom events. They're having teas where they all wear hats and all get on one Zoom call and things like that. And uh, talk about breast cancer. They go over some breast cancer awareness, uh, share brochures with each other and things like that. And then just have a, have a good girl's time. You know, so we continue to do those kinds of events, those kinds of things that are hopefully engaging and can keep people uh, really moving forward. We've got a great program going 
right now with the uh, Zeta Phi Betas across the nation that are working to raise money strictly for giving women rides. They're gonna match our lift program that we have and support our lift program so we can do individual rides back and forth. And they're doing that at all the Zeta Phi Betas all over the country. And the, uh, the Alphas are, are doing a program similar for Circle of Promise. So we've got things going on. We've, we've still got stuff happening and, and, and we're out there. I have this question that I'm curious to know and that is, so let's say somebody's listening to this show and they have nothing but free time and they're feeling a little bit anxious and they, they maybe want to support you financially, but are there volunteer opportunities right now? Could somebody be doing something to volunteer with Susan G. Coleman, LA County? There are some volunteer activities that can happen from home. It's more about contacting people and, and, and maybe being on a Zoom call. Um, it's not as much about being at tabling events and things like it used to be because they're not existing. But we're, you know, we're still doing other things, like I said, and we still need help from, from uh, folks to help, us, to help us reach out, to help us keep our, our, our name out there and to keep the awareness of breast cancer and breast health alive. You know, with COVID, COVID didn't understand that uh, just because it showed up that breast cancer wasn't gonna stop. And so it continues on. And one of the things that there was a, a, a study done recently and it's, it's kind of disturbing, kind of, kind of bothersome, is that through all of this, many women, I guess, as I said earlier, put their health on the, on the back burner. And women that aren't going to treatment, that women aren't going to things, because there's also a lot of fear about going for your annual mammogram. And mammograms are down, I, Sharon might be able to, to correct me, but from what I heard, they were down about 40%. So that means that those women that normally would have had a mammogram maybe in March, and what if they had been discovered at stage one? Where is that now that they put that off? Yeah, it, it's true. Would you like to add, Sharon? Well, I, you know, it, it, the, the thing about this conference that I'm promoting the most is the um, community building and having a, a safe space for people to come that uh, have breast cancer of any stage and talk to other people and share their experiences. Talking about sharing experiences, I mentioned this morning when you were on the Rise and Shine that we're having an open mic night. Now anybody, you know, when you volunteer, there's a lot of different things that you can do. And uh, among our volunteers, one of the most popular activities is to give them an opportunity to tell their story. So the open mic night, which is tonight and every Monday night, gives people an opportunity to tell their story or if they have a poem they've written, they can read their, they can do anything they want for five to 10 minutes. Um, as long as it's associated with their experiences with breast cancer. But the other thing, I do have something that you could do for me, Marcia, and that is I to let your, audience, let your audience know that we're looking for um, African-American 
uh, women mostly, although we'll take men too, um, to participate in a virtual focus group on how the African-American community views clinical trials and what do we have to do to change their mind and enable them to trust the medical community enough to participate in clinical trials. It's a huge problem. You may not realize this, but if an African-American woman gets breast cancer, she's 40% more likely to die of it. Wow. And there because, because there's not broad representation of minority populations in clinical trials, the scientists don't find out whether or not a drug they're testing is going to work on a particular race or ethnicity. And I have to tell you that as much as we're all alike, we're all very different when it gets down to our, our genes and our DNA. There's a lot of different things going on that we don't get an opportunity to explore because we don't have participation in a broad way. So I'm looking for um, African-American ladies that have had breast cancer in the last three years and maybe haven't made their minds up about clinical trials. Maybe they don't understand them. Um, what, whatever their state of mind is, they've never participated in a clinical trial for any reason. And I'm not just talking about breast cancer clinical trials. I'm talking about clinical trials period. Yeah. That's really important. And I'll make sure that I include that in my blog and follow up from the show. <coughs> Pardon me. Um, well, so um, you've got this conference going on and it, it, I'm already, I already heard you say, Sharon, that you already know what you're going to be doing next year. So, um, and when this, when this ends in October, do you get to take a week off or do you just go right into the next event? No, the, the, the six months after October, I'm gonna be in that uh, community uh, chat room and uh, you know, trying to uh, uh, bring people together. Um, you know, one thing that we didn't notice and didn't say, and I think we need to, we had a major um, sponsorship that was that came from USC Norris Comprehensive Cancer Center. Um, that enabled us to put this conference on. In addition, we had um, donations from or sponsorships from Seattle Genetics and from our own Cedar Sinai here in LA County. Um, so I, I'm not you know, naming them because I'm looking for money from other people, although I am but I just want to recognize that we couldn't have done this without them. We, we, you know, I don't have to feed people, but I have to tell you, there's an expense even to putting a virtual program on. So um, to the extent that I can get more money, I want to do this again in the spring, a whole other month of programming. And eventually my dream, Marcia, I'm going to tell you my dream. My dream hey. is that there's going to be a year-round channel for the breast cancer patient to go and learn about whatever they, you know, the new treatments and the research direction. And they're going to go have a safe 
place where they can congregate and they can gather together and they can learn the information that um, they, they are desperate to learn about and not just take it off the internet where it's very risky. It's gonna be a safe place for them to congregate and a safe place for them to receive information. That's my dream. Well, they will come we also come just- together physically. Well, we right? also, yeah. Well, someday they may, but right now, you know, who knows how long we're gonna be in quarantine. And, and people are all, you know, the, the, the metastatic patient particularly spends an inordinate amount of time in closed Facebook accounts and surfing the internet. And I wanna give them a slightly different space to meet and to learn from. Would you wanna say more? I was just gonna say there was also a gift from one of our founders and she dedicated her gift and she was giving as much as one of the pharma companies was. So she she has been working with Sharon for years, Linda Pura, and um, she's been on the metastatic breast cancer committee and just a, a, a dear, dear, dear woman who believes in this so, so much that uh, she, she, like I said, she gave a gift comparable to what the, the pharma companies were, were going to do so we can keep this going and we can keep this going successfully uh, onward and upward. And although we're still doing a walk this year and that's going to be on, on April 10th. So again, uh, we, Sharon and I have this six month thing. We, we, we smash two huge events together here and then we'll do it again in April. <laughs> And if anybody can do it, Mark, you and I can. We can. <laughs> the dynamic duo, right? Well, he raises the money and I spend it. Isn't that usually uh, the way a man-woman <laughs> relationship goes? I mean, yeah, right. Come on, give me some money. Mark. I want to go shopping. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. You know, I, I was just thinking about somebody else from your community that was on my show this past year. And that was Josh Newman. And um, is he going to be speaking at all at your conference? Oh, he, he helped. He went out and he got some amazing medical professionals to speak at this conference. We have something called Research Day. And he has some of the most renowned names in the, the world of breast cancer research that are going to be gathering together on that on um, August, um, October 27th. And um, he is actually the scientific advisory board chair for the um, LA County affiliate. And he's been working with me for years. And I, when I call, he comes. He's like, you know, this, this great, great, uh, Toy poodle, you know. I say Josh, and he shows up. He probably what do you mean, right? He does that. He's just as faithful, and he is as kind and as knowledgeable. And I couldn't do this without Mark and Josh. I couldn't. Josh is one of our our board members. He has. In fact, his member, picture, right? yeah, his picture is on that um, on that flyer, on the on the on the top. He's right. He's the bearded, uh, the bearded wonder. 
<laughs> and he's also, Mark, I'm just telling you, he's also very funny. In oh, fact, he is. I think he's even funnier than you, but I'm just saying. Um, so you're you're so you're not you're gonna do the spring walk in April. Is the race to the cure is that is that sort of a step aside at this time? That's stepped aside at this time because we really found, Marcia, when we were doing some some research a couple of years ago, that there was only about five percent of our audience that actually ran. Everybody walked. And because it was a 5K, what it wound up doing was it was excluding a lot of individuals that, that breast cancer patients and things that couldn't go 5K. So they just didn't feel like they could be involved in a, in a really intricate and intimate way with the event. So we turned it into a walk. We made it a little bit smaller. We made it a little bit shorter. And so that it really does accommodate the whole and we went from about 3,800 people to 5,500 people last year. So it was, was a huge Dodger difference. Was it Dodger Stadium, Mark? Was Dodger it, it, Stadium part Yes, of it that? was. That's but this I year, thought. yeah, this year we're planning it virally. I mean, virtually. And right, it'll right. be a walk where you are. And uh, everybody can, can just do what they need to do. Walk where you want. Do you, we, have a, we have a special step counter on the, uh, on the app. Uh, and we're not charging a registration fee. Okay. We're asking that you raise $100 for a t-shirt this year and um, and just raise as much as you can. But you can do it as a family. You can do it the day before if you want to or the day after. I think that's terrific. So we've brought up COVID a few times. And I before we run out of time, because we are all three of us are Facebook friends, and you know, if you're on the internet a lot and you go to Facebook a lot and then you read things a lot, it's like, uh-oh, what's going on with Mark and his wife? So do you want to tell us about your COVID story? Yes, our, our little adventure this year. Mm -hmm. um, sometime in the beginning of March, I got, I got infected. And then because I'm a giving husband, I brought it home to her and... <laughs> One of the things that I'm sure she would have gone, been more than happy with not sharing. Uh, but I, I brought it home to Tina. I was about um, four or five days ahead of her in the diagnosis. But we both wound up in ICU. And I was in there in March and got out April 1st. She went in in March and didn't get out till uh, the last of April. Because when I was going to go pick her up on April 7th, in the morning, I had called her and she was saying like, oh my God, I can't wait to get home and just take a hot shower and scrub my hair. And then the nurses came in. So I said, I'll call you back in about 20 minutes because I was going to pick her up at two. I called her back in 20 minutes and she couldn't talk. All she could do was moan and groan and kind of wail. And I yelled at my son. He came downstairs and I said, talk to your mom, on, talk to mom on my phone. I got on the landline, I called the front desk at the ICU and I said, somebody needs to go take care of Mrs. Pilon. She's, she's in distress. And they said, oh, we were just in there. She's doing fine. And I said, I'm telling you, I think she's having a stroke. And they went in and I was, I was somewhat excitable. I will admit on the phone and, and rather insistent, may have, may have dropped a, an expletive or two, but it was important for me to get her taken care of immediately 
they went in, they took her down for a CAT scan. She had a double stroke. She had one on each side of her brain. So we're, we're doing great now. I've, I've recovered. I'm going to admit to 95% so I can have a 5% default. And if, if, if I'm doing something wrong, I can blame it on COVID. But uh, she's doing great. She's improved phenomenally. She didn't lose any of her motor skills. She has a speech deficit and somewhat of a, a, a cognitive deficit when she's trying to, to search for words. But other than that, we're both healthy as can be. And, um, and I'm just glad that she's here. If I had brought her home and she had that at home, it could have been a much different story. Well, in these last, I'm glad that she's okay, Mark. In these last few moments, um, I thought I'd give each of you just an opportunity to just maybe give a closing thought, maybe some takeaway that, that you would want people to know about Susan G. Coleman. Well, I'll hit it first, then I'll let Sharon close out the, the, the show. But I just want you to know that we're there for you. We, we were um, designed as an organization that raised money, brought it through us, and then gave it to other organizations to do work. And now we have become a very patient-centric organization where we're taking care of you personally. We're going to make sure that you've got food on your table. We're going to make sure you get to the doctors. We're going to make sure that you get your mammography. We're going to do those things as an internal organization. We're, we're here for the patient. We've changed our paradigm and we want it to be about the women and symptomatic men that need us and that need us on a first name basis. I want to know the end user. I want to be able to walk up to somebody in two years, give them a hug, and say, I'm so glad we were able to do something for you. And that's that's the important the important thing, I think, to all of us. We want to know who we're helping and be able to help on a very individual basis so I can be there to answer my phone for them anytime they call and I know who I'm talking to. Oh, it's very generous, beautiful, Mark. What about you, Sharon? I'll let you take over. What I want to do more than anything is to stop people from dying. That's my wish, to stop the deaths, stop the dying. 42,000 people dying every year, that's a lot. And I always think about the families, and I think about the children, and I wonder how many young children are going to go to sleep tonight without their moms, without their moms to tuck them in. We have to stop the dying. And the only way that we can stop the dying is if they spend more money on metastatic research. Find out why these cells are metastasizing. That's my message. Well, I, I appreciate that. And I, as, as someone, and, and I mean, Sharon, you're a survivor. I mean, we didn't even talk about the fact that you yourself are a survivor. So of course this is important. Yes, but you know, it, it, it's, it pales in insignificance. I mean, it's, it's not, you know, that's so far in my past. And yes, I think about it, but not so much. And yes, it was hard when I went through it, but not what some of these patients have to go through because the disease is bad, but the treatments that they must take 
to live another day are horrendous. Boy, sorry. Excellent. Well, but what I would say is that if I was watching this and I heard that you survived metastatic breast cancer, I would be encouraged. I would be encouraged. I never was metastatic, my dear. I just care about them enough to spend most oh. of my waking hours working for them. Most of my best friends are metastatic and I watch them die every year and I want the deaths to stop. Thank you for clarifying that for me because I didn't understand that. So that's vitally important. Well, once again, this has been a wonderful show. I'm so very grateful to you, Mark, and to you, Sharon. I will fight on for this rest of this month to support you and get this message out, getting it to my social media, asking my friends to donate. And let's do exactly what you said, Sharon. Let's stop the dying. Let's find the treatments that can prevent metastatic breast cancer. And I know that researchers like um, Josh and others are doing all that they can, but we need to stop it. So thank you. Thank you, Darren, for running the Zoom. Yes, it's a virtual hug. I appreciate the logistics that went into this show. And um, I'm incredibly grateful. I'll be posting links all over the place for people to, um, to learn more about the show. And let's see about talking in the springtime about what's come, what, what you've done in the last six months. I'd be more than happy to have you join me again. But Thank now you, I'm gonna let you get on with your day, Sharon. I don't know when you ever stop. So if you're doing yoga, honey, take a deep <laughs> breath. <laughs> Okay. And, and so namaste much. to you. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. I'm going to say goodbye for now. Thanks again. Bye.